Hey everyone, and welcome to the Dual Shocker Shotcast. My name is Ryan, and joining us today for our special Red Dead Redemption 2 spoiler cast, we've got our cowpokes, Joel Tavares. How you doing, everybody? And we've also got Tomas Franzizi. Hey everyone. I got it right that time. Good. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, welcome to the uh, Shotcast, and uh, as the title mentioned, we are going to go deep into the uh, into Red Dead Redemption 2, which is easily probably the, the one of the biggest games of the year if not the biggest game of the year um so obviously this is your spoiler warning that if you've not finished the main story of red dead redemption 2 that you should probably not be listening and go uh finish up the yeah. game before like you... what are you do like what are you doing here? <laughs> why, why did you put down a spoiler cast in the game <laughs> uh, yeah we're pretty much going to go through most if not all of the story and the epilogue so uh we recommend not listening to this until after you finish the game so uh, with that, we're going to jump right into the discussion, and uh, we'll just start off really quickly first with just our initial sort of thoughts and reactions to the game. So, uh, Joel, do you want to start us off and just, uh, you know, what did you think of Red Dead Redemption 2, and did it live up to your expectations for the game? Uh, yeah, so, you know, what's funny is, is as we're working through it, I think the, the conversation kept coming up over and over, um, not just, like, within the site, but, like, externally. You know, I kept talking about it because I think everybody was just talking about it, right? That first, you know, release weekend, it was like nonstop. And yep. um, that first week, I kept talking about it as well. And the conversation just kept coming up like, oh, it's really good, right? But it's still not as good as God of War. And, you know, it's funny, like, I kept, you know, up to a certain point, I was like, yeah, this is amazing. God of War is still game of the year. God of War is still game of the year. Mm. Um, and as Arthur's story was winding down, and I got, you know, towards chapter six and I was like, okay, I was like, you know, this is great. This was really good. It was a good ride. I loved it. Um, and then, you know, going into the epilogue, I didn't know it was going to basically say like, hey, this is not done. <laughs> We're not done with you. Um, <laughs> and that's when I was just like, wow, this was this is really good. And this is it's this is in fact living up to expectations and that really kind of drove everything home because you think where you think you're getting that big payoff and you know Arthur's looking off into the sunset and then you're, you're just seeing like John Marston's life and you're like oh wow that's cool they're like included and set it up for the original Red Dead you're like no wait a minute he's not done here um and it's like you get double redemption mm -hmm. so I don't know it was just uh yeah, that so so now in terms of like in terms of like living up to expectations, I think it did somehow live up to those expectations. And now, um, you know, if you ask me, you know, what is game of the year in my thought in, in my head, it, it's it's a coin flip. Yeah, that's, that's I think how, it's, that's how I, I came away with it. I think it's going to be interesting game, like as far as game of the year conversation, because you know, like you said, like you know, God of War obviously is going to be another huge contender. Uh, I think Spider-Man also is going to be another sort of game that's in the conversation and, uh, you know, maybe Smash Brothers and things like that. But Red Dead, I think, definitely, like, there was so much expectation. Like, easily, like, I think that expectations were sky high for this game. And I think, like, having reviewed it and played it and, and all that, I think it just, like, it really met pretty much everything that I could have hoped for from this game and, and beyond. And I know that, like, reading and hearing other people's thoughts on the game, like, from both within our team and, and you know, sort of outside the site, you know, hearing people have pretty divisive responses, I think, to this game has been interesting. But I, but I got understand why people, and we'll we'll go into this later on in the cast, um, why people, you know, sort of have some mixed responses to this game. Uh, Tomas, what yeah. did, oh, sorry, go ahead, Joel. No, really quick, I, I just thought of uh, it, it's like when you're watching an award show 
and like, wow, you're like, wow, there's really great films this year. Wow, that was a good film. That was a good film. And then you're like, oh, but Daniel Day-Lewis was in this one. (laughs) And I I feel like it's like one of those years. Yeah, and it's because like, I think like people knew going into, like, obviously it's a rock star game and it comes with like a certain pedigree of sort of like prestige and, and expectation for what you can get from them. But in a lot of ways, I feel like this game kind of subverted some of those expectations because... And, you know, like, we'll, we'll go into this later on once we get into the story stuff, but I feel like this is really sort of Rockstar's most restrained and mature game that they've done, which is, like, it's 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 very interesting compared to, especially compared to GTA V, which I felt like was a very sort of cynical and did, very, did like, dark game. Rockstar and restrained in the, the same sentence? Well, I think compared to their <laughs> past games, like, this is a very, like, yeah. this game is very much more quiet and sort of reserved, I think, than a game like GTA V, or GTA V was just, like, batshit crazy in a lot of parts like you know when you're shooting aliens while you're high and stuff like that like i think compared to that this is like a much uh their their devotion to storytelling and and getting deeper into these characters in this world i think is much uh more interesting at least i think compared to what we've seen in their past games uh tomas uh, what do you what did you think about red dead redemption 2 and you know sort of your overall thoughts on the game i thought it was really great it still isn't my favorite game of the year but from a technical level, I can probably say it is, like, the best game ever made, just, like, from a pure technical standpoint uh, with what they were able to do. Mm-hmm. But I have a couple problems with, like, pacing and a couple problems with the stories, which kind of held it back for me, so I didn't feel like I got, like, as immersed as you and Joel were talking about. But mm-hmm. it's still probably... I probably liked it a bit more than a Grand Theft Auto V it's probably on par with the original Red Dead with how much I like it, but yeah. And I know this isn't a spoiler cast about those games, but I think God of War and Spider-Man just stuck with me a little bit more this yeah. year. So, yeah. uh, so like I still like would prefer them, but like that's not this like this year's been so great for games. Like in any other year, all three of these titles would have been like game of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that, let's uh, start kind of going into some of the, the gameplay and the setting of the game. Uh, so first, let's talk about the setting, uh, because obviously this is, uh, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 is another, you know, sort of Western epic style game, uh, much like the original Red Dead. But I think what sets this game apart is the fact that Rockstar really put in a lot of time and attention to the the details and sort of the sense of immersion of this game, because there's so much more room to interact with uh, NPCs and sort of objects in the environment. So what did you guys think about that and sort of how they expanded on the ways that you can interact with this world? It was It was really interesting, the fact that you could go up to anybody and basically like say hi or be a dick to them. But uh, and while it did get a little repetitive, once you kind of noticed, it was kind of like hand responses, like still just the fact that you could do that with everybody and there would be like a reaction was very impressive, I think, from a uh, from a like just a dialogue standpoint. And the world itself was super atmospheric with like tons of detail put into it. There were a couple of times where I would just be like in awe as I was wandering around like the one mission where you're going up the uh, mountain with the Indian chief. I just like looked off at one point and you could just see like the entire map and you're just kind of like, holy shit, this game's huge. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the game scale, like it's funny because like when we first, uh, when we previewed the game a couple weeks before it came out, like we really, uh, I think Rockstar kind of honed in a lot on the fact that there's so much detail and, and, you know, just the, the, you know, 
the minuscule things that you can do in this game were just so impressive but it also is just impressive on like a uh you know uh, a size scale too because it's uh it's just like such a huge game like you look out and you see these like gigantic uh you know landscapes out in the distance and the mountains and everything like that so it's just the fact that this game packs in so much into this like huge world is really incredible um uh, joel what did you think about that and sort of how the game immersed you yeah i think the um the the, the part that really got me was like realizing you know for, for a second i was like maybe this map is not so big maybe that was a lot of uh you know no it's maybe huge it's huge it's no, no, like... i know i know and, and then what what really kind of made me say like okay this is kind of ridiculous um it's when you start like just wandering around finding like little mini communities that aren't listed on the map and then within those mini communities you can go into like each house i was like all right this is getting kind of crazy yeah and and seeing that at that scale and finding like little you know people that live up in the mountains and finding like, a couple of houses and you're like what is going on here and like the fact that they went to the, to that kind of length um just to to to, to put in you know, just a, give it that extra layer of realism. But in in, ter- in terms of immersion, I don't think anything creates the immersion quite like the animals do and how they mm. function. Um, because just last night, I, I've so you know since I finished, I'm I'm like just basically trying to get all the legendary pelts and all that stuff, and watching the the animals from their day cycles to their night cycles, how they interact with one another, how they behave around those legendary animals. Once those guys start moving around and you see like, you know, deers and stuff like that running away from predators, it's like really crazy. It's, 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 uh, and, and just that, that's, I, I, to me, that's what kind of like puts the immersion up to, to another kind of like level. Yeah, and I think one of my uh, the, the the animals are obviously really impressive because just the fact that there's like such a vast ecosystem of different you know animals and things you could run into. Um, I think for me, my favorite sort of aspect of the immersive uh, nature of the game was from the the Vanderlyn Gang camp because there was just so much to sort of interact with and do there. Uh, because basically like the camp would move around between different parts of the map and i feel like every time i went to the camp there was always some cool little like story or thing i would find that like you know even though it's obviously like it's stuff that's you know i'm sure it's scripted like it didn't feel that way like i think one of my favorite uh parts was later on in the game i was like wandering through the camp and dutch was i think having an argument with uh one of the other ladies uh in the camp and like she was criticizing him for his leadership and he's like you know well what else am i supposed to do i'm trying to keep everyone to survive and stuff like that and it was just great to get those little bits of storytelling that like you don't get from the main game but i feel like adds so much more context to to what you're doing in the game and i feel like the camp was really a cool sort of place to do that um well well i have some problems with the larger crew as a whole i'll admit that there were some really great moments like that when you were walking around camp or at certain points in the story when there's like a huge success and everybody's celebrating yeah, yeah, that one was great. The yeah, party? yeah, the party. party? Yeah. yeah, well, there, there's a bunch of parties, but like you mean the one where like uh, Javier's playing guitar and they're all singing. Yeah, right? yeah. that's like there's one of the best scenes. scenes. That yeah. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, no, it's it, not even like a shooting scene. It's not like an over-the-top like yeah. train robbery. It's not like this like let's go take down this crew. It's literally just people hanging out. It's like the best part of the game. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I was like well, during that scene, like I was just trying to look at each of the individual characters to see what they were doing, and it was just crazy to see like you see like you know John and Abigail and Jack, and they're like you know hugging each other and holding each other, and then like Bill's you know drinking in the background stuff. It was just crazy to see the amount of little details that were were packed just into that one 
you know, like probably, you know, couple minute long scene. Yeah, I remember too, and it was even like even outside of that they'd have stuff. I remember one time it was it was earlier on in the game before John kinda changes, but there was just one time I came back to the camp and he was just explaining to like all the guys why you should never get married. And it was or like or have like a kid with like like basically what his situation was. So it was just really funny to just kind of be like, like you could just completely walk by and ignore it, even with like those parties. The world's like as immersive as you want to be, like how you were describing those like animal ecosystems. You can pretty much ignore it if you want. Like you never have to kill an animal outside of like one of the first missions. But uh, it's just super impressive. Like if you go looking in the game, there's like an immense amount of detail. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just, like, what what I loved especially about it uh, is the fact that with the NPCs, you know, even though the the conversations that you have with the NPCs may, like, over time become a little repetitive or may not add a ton to what you're doing, I just feel like it creates, you know, sort of like what we've been focusing in on, the fact that it just makes everything feel so much more, like, tangible and immersive, and the fact that, like, the NPCs don't just feel like window dressing, like, they don't feel like they're just walking around, you know, doing random things you know, for the fact that they need to fill out the environments more. Like, it, it, like when you go into the saloons and you see people, like, having drinks, you know, having conversations with each other, like, it, it just makes the, the places you visit feel that much more sort of alive and inviting. And, you know, that's kind of why I liked going into all these different spaces, just to sort of see what was inside there. Um, so with that, let's move on to sort of the combat and uh, the, you know, the more action-heavy stuff, because I feel like that's sort of been one of the biggest sort of divisive conversations around this game is that people that either, you know, find the, the, the combat that it works and it's okay, or people that really hate it and think that the controls are just terrible. So what did you guys think about sort of the combat and the more action heavy stuff in this game? So like the auto aiming is really bad because it brings you like slightly to the left of where you need to be. So like you can never shoot anything properly with it. Uh, you mean the like most... the, you mean like when you sort of snap to a, a character? Yeah, yeah. Or... I actually didn't think it was that bad. Like I actually thought like most of the time it helped me out. Like oh really? I, I don't. It might have just been like I don't know, like my file or something. But just that, yeah. Every time I'd use it, it'd be like slightly to the left of the person. Because usually, kind of kinda... what, what I would do is just sort of like snap to a guy, and then I would raise my reticle a little bit, yeah. and then I would pretty much always get a headshot most of the yeah, time. No, when I did yeah, yeah, no, it works like that. But it was just I found it a little weird, and the controls are perfect purposefully like kind of slow which i don't mind but just it it highlighted issues with stuff like the auto aiming and uh having to tap a to run and like i didn't know until like just a couple days ago that you could set it where you just had to tap a once but i've always hated that in rockstar games where it's like mash uh like a or x on playstation Mm, yeah 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 i think like with the controls like I, you know, I would say they still have a little bit of that Rockstar jankiness that I think, you know, but I feel like this is the best that the Rockstar jankiness has been. Oh, like, definitely. it's definitely, I feel like it's it's definitely much better than uh, GTA 4 or 5 were. Yeah, and, there's, uh, there's even some more, like, in-depth mechanics that they don't really tell you that much. Like, I learned just, I think, I think there was some random pop-up, but it didn't really seem to be triggered by anything, where it said that if you, like, press X to the... Uh, beat of like your horse kind of like trotting oh yeah it like drains their stamina less or whatever something and it actually makes you go a bit faster so like that was cool yeah those little rhythmic systems in there 
Yeah, and personally, like, I think it was cool just sort of the way that they separated the um, the commands between when you have your weapon holstered and when you don't. So basically, like, when you have your weapon uh, not holstered, you can focus on an object and then choose to interact with them, like, you know, or an object or an animal or a human or whatever. And I think, like, overall, control-wise, I was okay with how everything moved. Like, from Rockstar Games, I expect that sort of weightiness and that sort of momentum, so it wasn't really new to me. Um, I just think maybe the only criticism that I might have of the controls is that there's just so many different things you can do that it's just hard to remember sometimes where it was like, oh yeah, you can, um, you know, if you're aiming your weapon at someone, you can fire a warning shot if you aim your weapon up in the air, but it's just like, and I was listening to another podcast and they kind of compared it to like the original Assassin's Creed games where when you held on the shoulder buttons, the shoulder buttons kind of modify all the other face buttons of the controller. Like, I just felt like there, sometimes it just was hard to remember sometimes all the things you could do. Um, yeah, it was, it was contextual in some situations too, or like in one, at one point, like searching a drawer would be triangle, but then if there was something else you could do, it'd become square. So there wasn't always like that fluidity between yeah, what like every uh, button did. Like like when I when we'll talk about the horses in a second, but sometimes like when you would try to like focus on your horse and you'd accidentally punch them in the face because you were trying to like lead them or do something else instead. I did that a couple times and I felt awful when I had just like clocked my horse in the face. <laughs> like <laughs> I never did that actually, but I actually it's yeah because I forget. There's like another button where basically it's like if you hold L two and focus on them and press you know uh, circle, it does something, but. Like, like, if you don't do it the right way, you'll just punch your horse in the yeah. face. It's the worst feeling was, thing ever. <laughs> yeah, it was also fairly easy to, like... I got the hang of it, like, ten or so hours in. But at first, it was hard to, like, uh, not, like, point a gun at somebody when I was going to talk to him. Because it was really easy if you just wanted to talk to somebody. Right, to, yeah. like, pull your gun out. So. Yeah, and then they're like, whoa, partner, like that. <laughs> they start, like, you know, uh, getting violent against you. And, yeah, I think the, the only other thing maybe for me, like, as far as cr- critiquing the controls is just that, like, because everything is so context- context-heavy, um, like, sometimes I felt like I'd have to reposition Arthur in, like, the right way so that way he would, like, be able to interact with an object. Like, especially if I was in like one of the, the general stores or I was looting, like sometimes he wouldn't be in the right position to be able to loot it. So I had to like fumble him around a little bit. So that way he would um, do that. Apparently if you uh, play, if you do that stuff in first person, that's a little easier, which I think makes sense. But I think it just feels more like a band aid rather than like a ideal solution to that. Yeah, this might've been me too. And it might just be like atmospheric to add to the pace. But there were a couple times too, where I press a button prompt. And then Arthur would take, like, five seconds to walk in a square back to where he needed to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there was, just, there was just some, like... I mean, in a game that massive, you're bound to have a couple issues. But, yeah. Right, yeah. Some weird quirks like that. Yeah. Uh, Joel, what did you think about, like, as far as the, the gameplay and everything? I mean, I, I think I expected the, the Rockstar games, Jankiness, like you just uh, mentioned earlier. So I won't uh, beat a dead horse in that respect. Um, I pun, thought... Pun, pun, that... pun intended. Pun totally <laughs> Completely, 100% intended. Um, I think the um, the first person definitely helped a lot in having it out of the gate. Um, you know, definitely helped in certain situations. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the Rockstar was never known to like have like this amazing. You know, I it, it's what it is too. I mean, I think it's also a combination of like, hey, everyone just finished playing Spider Man, which is probably the most fluid like, you know, moving character that we've had in a video game. You know, outside of like stuff like you know, Devil May Cry or whatever. That yeah, and it like, moves much sort of more quickly than Red Dead for sure. Yeah, and you're just like flying all over the screen, right? And I think you know, slowing down 
um, isn't easy for a lot of people, especially when with, with, with a lot of games, we're literally just running around like maniacs. Um, so this force like weightiness or slowdown, um, it means it, it's like an acquired taste and I get it. I totally get it. It's not for everybody, but then, you, you know, as you guys mentioned, um, the controls can get a bit convoluted at, at certain times. So it's like, you really got to earlier on, I think chapter one and two, you really got to read those prompts as much as you can to really understand, you know, your weapon wheel, really understand how to toggle between the said weapons before you're leaving your horse, which I guess we'll get to next. Or should we just segue into it? Uh, let's, we could, we could segue into that. Yeah. We could talk about the horse stuff. Um, yeah, I thought so. the horse stuff to me was, was brilliant. Like, you know, I mean, it was a bit annoying. I was just like, shit, where are we? Who are these people? Are these are Driscoll's riding shotgun. Like, <laughs> like trying to figure out like what you need to take with you. Um, but I think like that, the idea of like the horse packing um, its own like side inventory and you're managing that uh, as you go. I thought that was really, really cool. I thought I thought it was good. I had a couple problems with what I think was automation where it like switched the weapons I put or yeah. automatically like de-equip them. Where, like, I'd make sure I'd have, like, a shotgun and a rifle before I got off, but then I'd, I'd either die or, like, start the battle and notice, like, that I only had my two pistols. So, like, yeah, I, 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 I had that a couple I'd times. I never, like, put them away myself. So it was kind of odd where, like, I think the game's just automatically, like, oh, well, you don't need those right now, and unless you check every time before you like get off your horse yeah that was something i in my uh, tips post i specifically made sure to call out because that happened to me a couple times when i would do a mission where like if you're riding for a while he'll automatically like d you know de-equip his his uh his main weapons and just have his pistols so i made sure being like hey before you got into a mission make sure that you have <coughs> your like your weapons you want to bring equipped because otherwise there were missions when it was like i was midway through and i was like oh crap i don't have my shotgun or whatever and i only just had like a rifle and the pistols the, the bank heist with the <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 uh, but yeah, as far as the horse stuff, I thought like you know the ways that they sort of expanded on like I I just really liked how they sort of had the mechanic of like you bonding with your horse and sort of creating a relationship with them and you know because obviously in a game like this you know compared to GTA GTA you can go around and steal whatever cars you want and they're just kind of disposable whereas this like you know your horse is your main sort of companion and your your way to travel throughout this world so i think creating that relationship and that bond was really important especially because there were plenty of times when like my horse would get uh stunned or whatever and have to use the reviver and i just felt like my heart skip a beat because i was like <gasps> no my horse like i didn't want it to like to die on me so how many how many horses did you go through in the game i only had the one horse which made it devastating really? when your horse uh, dies at the end yeah, <laughs> so I, I went through about four <laughs> the first one i glitched killed in a waterfall um and then like i was trying to jump over like a river just before like this little waterfall and like i missed and then the horse like glitched into the water and drowned it's kind of weird oh, what was everyone's um, horse's name by the way what what was everyone's horse's name uh mine was apona apona okay mine was marble was my name yeah, uh, I just Phil. I just gave it like a really Phil. plain name. Yeah, Phil <laughs> the horse. Phil. <laughs> there were some. There were some. There were some great horse names that I saw, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, one of the ones that we came up with was Full Sprouse, which I I didn't get to use, oh, but I should have used funny. that one. <laughs> yeah, like... one. Yeah, I think I named my third one E three as a joke, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like my first one, Phil died from a glitch. Then my second one. Uh, I had for a long time, and then I just, like, I ended up, like, 
like messing up where it died and like nowhere near any town. So like I like I had to kill it. And then the third one, I think like I don't even remember. Oh no, the third one was one that I never really owned. I just put my saddle on it to get to town. And then I had like a fourth one I had for the end of the game. But then there was a funny thing in the final mission where it wasn't the horse I took with me into it for some reason. So then uh, the horse that like died in that final segment wasn't one I was attached to at all. <laughs> so it was kind of funny where he was just like, thank you for everything. And I'm like, I've had that horse for like five minutes. Oh no, like that scene was way more devastating for me because like my horse I basically had like from from the start of the game and oh, it was yeah. very it was, devastating. It was, yeah, it was a moment. I was like I was like, dang, if I still had that like second horse, like I would have been mad. Yeah. But uh it was just yeah, it was just kind of funny because I had a horse I had for like all five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um all right, cool. Let's um start going into some of the characters then because as Tabaz noted in our uh, talking points doc, there are many in this game. Uh so first off, obviously we'll start with Arthur Morgan, who's the the main protagonist of this game. Uh and is I think it was though? sorry, go ahead, Joel. I said is he though? <laughs> I mean, yes, for the most part. Yeah, and I think it was interesting with this game and especially leading up to its release how, you know, people were like, "Oh, where's John Marston?" because, you know, obviously everyone wants to sort of see his story and and you know, from the first game. Um, so what did you guys think of Arthur and, and having Rockstar choose to make him sort of the, the main character that we play as for the majority of the game? I He was honestly my favorite part of the story. He was a really great character where he's kind of this dumb and hot-headed outlaw at the beginning, but he's really the only one that begins to notice that, like, hey, the, the Wild West is coming to an end. And then as he starts to die of tuberculosis he kind of notices like that he's lived a life of like kind of misery and he's never really been happy like with that girl uh, Mary or whatever. Yeah. Like I even just, rough. Yeah, I even just to make it a little bit more tragic, I had him deny her both times. Uh so like yeah, I just I liked and you're able to shape it subtly like that too with like a few choices in the story. Um which I thought was cool. So yeah, I thought his arc was really great, especially once he started getting sick and you kind of knew, like, yeah, he's dead. And so there was a certain thing in the... Like, because in the first game, nobody ever mentions Arthur Morgan because he wasn't conceived eight years ago. Right, but, yeah. Uh, but just kind of knowing that you have to get to a point where he's not mentioned in the first Red Dead, well, at the start, you might just be like, oh, well, he dies, so who cares? It, the game does get you to care for him and his redemption arc where he's trying to help john start like a decent life with his family which actually becomes a bit more tragic once you know their fate and the first red dead redemption yeah and how the how the whole goal is basically to get um jack i believe is the kid's name to like not be involved in the life but he still ends up getting wrapped back in in like the epilogue of the first game yeah so, yeah yeah so i thought it kind of just created this kind of tragedy arc yeah, we're with a bit of redemption at the end. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Tomas hit all the points. Um, with with in regards to Arthur Morgan, I think he was really I think he was well written. Um, and yeah, I mean it, it's his like it's it's weird because we we literally get two redemption stories in one. Hence the number two in the title. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, it was it was good to kind of see his character kind of you know go, like come full circle. 
and uh, realize, you know, before, I mean, others started realizing it as well, but he kind of realized it early on. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he was really, just really, really well written across the board. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think, like, leading up to this game and the the trailers, you know, before its release, like, Arthur kind of seemed like a dick. Like, he really didn't seem like a very, like, appealing or likable character. Um, so I'm really glad that, like, throughout the story they gave him way more, you know, depth and sort of layers to him rather than just being, like, you know, because we knew going in he's sort of uh, Dutch Vanderlyn's sort of right-hand man and he's, you know, very loyal to the gang. But obviously as the game goes on, like Tomas sort of uh, pointed out, the fact that he starts to realize oh, this is, you know, things are going a bit wrong here. Like, this is maybe not the life I want to lead. Uh, especially because he's only really known this life since he was a kid. And um, actually, I think I was... Uh... Another interesting thing is just sort of, like, the fact that you find out so much more about Arthur through, you know, these little, sort of little details. Like, when he has the—I think it's at his uh, his camp, he has the picture, and you realize that, like, he had a kid that, you know, that died and, and things I, like that, so. Yeah, with that, I never noticed that until I was talking with the uh, <clears throat> Indian chief. And then, like, I just saw one of the options that was, like, talk about Arthur's son. And yeah, I was like, it's like there's, son? there's, and yeah, there's, like, some really, yeah. like, big things that you can he, find out he, about his yeah. character. Yeah, he tells that whole story of, like, oh, I used to return every couple months. Then I returned one one time, and they were both dead, killed by a thief looking for, like, $5. Which is, like, it's kind of creepy once you notice that that's kind of what he does, too. Yeah, so, and like, I don't... I don't know if you guys also took the time to look at his journal too, but the journal is really, really cool and adds a lot of like, cause everything is like handwritten yeah. and he sketches in it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's really cool and adds a lot of cool little yeah. details to Arthur's character. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that was, I was really like surprised at how subtle it is. Cause uh, I, I think we'll go into it more later, but the game takes its time to like kind of immerse you in everything and what the game is. And so I think it, even with some of the characters, like, on a surface level, there isn't much there, but if you go looking for it, you'll find more, especially in the case of Arthur Morgan. I do still think the game suffers from having way too many main characters in the base camp, but we can get more into that in a bit. Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, all right, so I think we'll close the book on Arthur for now, and we'll move on to John, who obviously uh, is you know, probably one of the most important characters, given that you get to play as him in the epilogue chapters of the game. Um, <clears throat> so what did you guys think about, uh, you know, not only, he, like, obviously we knew going in that John was going to be, you know, sort of a supporting player in the game, but also the fact that you get to play as him uh, in the, the sort of last uh, acts of the game. I love how they when in like in the earlier missions in the game that they start out with, it's like uh it's like, Oh, here's John Marson. By the way, I know you liked him from the first game, but he's actually a big idiot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think it was it was interesting because like you see John pretty early in the game. Like he's in the first chapter, and then he's pretty much always throughout you know the rest of the game. But I think it was interesting to sort of see his um, you know see him because I think like going into the game, obviously he's the character that we sort of have the the closest relationship with because you know if you played Red Dead Redemption One, you know you're gonna know a bit about him here. But I think that this game did a really good job of sort of subverting some of the things that we knew about John, or at least you know since we get to see him now, sort of when, when he was fully involved with Dutch's gang. Right, or things you thought you knew about John. Right, yeah, like you think, um, you know, especially, you know, we'll probably go into this when we talk about Dutch, but the fact that, like, you know, when he decides to turn, and, and you mentioned this, Joel, in your editorial, the fact that, like, when John turns and decides to leave against the gang, like, it goes really differently than I think a lot of us thought we would, because we thought it would be him leaving of his own volition, but really it's kind of Arthur that coaxes him into being like, hey, you need to get out of here and, and you know, start yeah. your own life. 
that that moment when he kind of hands the hat over and that's oh, Arthur, that's that's Arthur's hat from the first game, right? Right. Right. Okay. Well, right. So yeah, Marston's hat. I mean, in the first game, you know, you realize you're like, oh shit, this is Arthur's, it's Arthur's hat. You know, right. when, when I saw him grab his hat, I was like, you better not. That better not be his hat. And then he puts it on, <laughs> and I was just like, I had to pause the game because I was. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I liked John's arc in this game. I felt like it took a while to get going, but especially once you uh get back from your Caribbean vacation, they do a really good job of like uh like fleshing him out and kind of showing how he got screwed over by Dutch 2 for really no reason and that Arthur despite not liking him towards the beginning of the game like kind of came around and helped him and was like really the only one that cared about his family's future so you kind of see where uh, Arthur got his kind of uh his like emotional motivation for the next game yeah and then obviously too like you know his um his wife abigail and uh his son jack obviously play a big part in the in the um you know the game too i think it was especially interesting to see jack like you know as a kid and seeing him where he's like not super into the whole sort of wild west life like he just wants to sort of read and and stay inside like that type of thing and seeing john sort of you know struggle not struggle but like sort of come to terms with being a father and having to care for him and teach him the the ways of this life so did that dog die or just disappear? Because I never saw it. Remember when uh, Rufus the yeah yeah no he, he's okay. he's fine. He shows up later in the epilogue. He's okay. Kane does okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, I just he disappeared. So I was kind of like, uh, oh, I didn't know where. Uh, he no, went, he he shows up. He's see. actually he's actually in like one of the missions in the game later on. That I I won't say anything because you're still kind of going through the epilogue, but. Yeah, um, but yeah, and I think like seeing that stuff with him, especially with John and and Abigail and Jack, especially in the epilogue, is really interesting because uh, like there's a great part in the epilogue where you know John takes Abigail on a date and they sort of walk through Blackwater together, and it's really just like it was such a nice, ref- especially after having been through all like the violence and bloodshed and everything in the past fifty hours of the game. It was nice to do something that was just so sort of intimate and okay, you know, Tomas is not at the not at the end of the epilogue <laughs> yeah i i know i know what happened. Oh, i'm gonna try know, to refrain yeah. from spoiling as much as i can in the epilogue yeah. but the cast, all right. I, yeah. I i know what i know what happens in the, the epilogue so you're not really spoiling too much but uh but i think like just that yeah. that section really it's, stood out to it's, me as it's just, like, long too is the other thing like i've played it yeah. for a couple hours and i haven't beat it i've seen people saying it's like four to eight hours the the epilogue I, is probably I, one of the longest chapters yeah, yeah, like they had like ten years ago, that would have been like a completely like they could have released the epilogue as like a Red Dead Redemption <laughs> prequel, and people probably would have been like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, yeah. I mean, the epilogue essentially sort of serves as like a bridge between the first game mm-hmm. and and t- uh, between Red yeah. Dead Redemption two into Red Dead Redemption one. <laughs> See, I much. was expecting them to just make the post game Red Dead Redemption one and just remake it inside of two. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Any other? Th- uh, if we don't have any other thoughts about John, we'll move on to Dutch Vanderland, who I feel yeah, like also is. To. Sorry, what, Joel? That's what I wanted to get to. Was Dutch. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Dutch because obviously he's another big sort of central figure, and I feel like this game does an excellent job of sort of shedding light on Dutch because like we saw Dutch in the first game, but like he didn't really show up. I think much until like the end of the first game, as far as I remember from when I played it, and I feel like he was just such a great character in this game like all around like not only as a villain but just as like because obviously he is sort of the central antagonist in this game but like 
just the way that Rockstar characterized him and made him into this really like more than just like a dastardly sort of villain. Like he's really just like fleshed out and, and I personally loved getting to know more about him and sort of his goals and everything. Uh, so Joel, do you want to uh, start us off? Yeah, I think like Dutch in terms of like who had the most like layers, I think as a, as a character, I mean, obviously we're building those layers with Arthur and John, but, D- but Dutch comes in with the most um, and you're kind of like peeling off, each one as you're, as you're kind of going along and really understanding him as a person and as a leader uh, of the gang um, and and just seeing his uh, his re- really understanding what his motivations are, are like the, I think to me the biggest part of the game is realizing like you know that it really yes he, he cares about people quote unquote yes he's not forcing anybody to stay but at the end of the day Dutch cares about Dutch and that's what um, and you don't see it I think until you're on that uh, you're on that oil refinery mission, and he was going to abandon Arthur. I think that was at the end of yeah, middle, middle you, of chapter five. You're like, wait a minute, what's this guy I, doing? I do think you get it as early as when he kills Bronte, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely like once once he kind of abandons Arthur there, you kind of are like, okay, he's completely gone. And I think yeah. that was, uh, I guess we can talk about one of the deaths. It was spurred on by the death of uh, Hosea. Where like, like Hosea kind of pissed Dutch off, but it kind of seems like he kind of kept him grounded, and like he kind of knew Dutch was like just out for himself. Right, so once yeah. Hosea died and Dutch was fueled by that rage, he just kind of went off the the deep end. And especially when you had uh, Micah there, who I wouldn't say Dutch was the main antagonist. I'd say Micah was. Uh, but yeah, once Micah starts manipulating him, uh, like he kind of just gets to the point where. He uh, he's like completely unhinged and fending for himself, and then it's and then it's even like shown further because I know he kills Micah in the epilogue, so like, it's that that just kind of shows where he's kind of unhinged and just out for himself at that point. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest sort of turning points for uh, you know Arthur starting to realize that Dutch obviously the big one is like when he kills Cornwall when he just you know he just sort of says fuck it and just shoots him. It's just like I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, no, and I think that's why that moment works so well is because it just comes out of left field and just completely catches you off guard. Uh, Joel, you were gonna say more. Well, yeah, no, and that's and that's what it was. Is that you went over first of all when he's like, "Oh, we're gonna go negotiate with this guy." I was like, "What?" I was like, "This guy wants to kill everybody." Like, what are you what are you talking about? He's the one that's like, you know, funding the Pinkertons behind the scenes to come and you know take out this gang or take out all gangs, right? Right. This guy because Cornwall's thing was just like, "Hey, look, like this old west, these gangs are standing in the way of me making money. I need these people to not exist. I'm gonna, you know." you know funnel money through law enforcement or through local government to get these guys eradicated so that was like you know he was like big picture thinking like he was a big part of like this whole death of the old west kind of thing because he brought money to the table um so i'm thinking like you know cornwall was going to be this big like uh maybe not big like maybe not a final boss or whatever but like i thought he was going to be like a, a much bigger player towards the end of the game so when he's like oh let's go negotiate with him and then he just kills him kills like, him yeah what <laughs> that was purposefully anticlimactic like they kind of build him up and then they just kill him like that because you think they're building up this villain but they're actually just building up uh dutch the whole time because once you know who cornwall is and then dutch just offs him like that like it it is very impactful 
Yeah, and I think it, it plays really well into one of sort of the central ideas of this game. Like, like, the whole idea of this game is the fact that, like, you know, the Vanderlyn gang is essentially sort of, uh, you know, trying to outrun civilization and, and sort of their way of life being eradicated. And I think Dutch's whole sort of central arc in this game is really interesting in that, and the fact that, like, he keeps saying throughout the game, oh, we just need one more score. Oh, we just need one more, you know, we need we need some money so we can get out of here, we can go somewhere else. But, like, basically any time that they've tried to do that and get themselves out of a jam they just kind of wind up in another bigger jam so i think yeah. it was really interesting even though like i think at the beginning of the game at first that that might have felt a little repetitive because it was like oh dutch keeps saying this over and over like that's basically sort of the whole idea of this game and the fact that dutch and is then, like keeps trying to get them out but yeah. they just they they can't they, they're stuck yeah and then even once he gets the money he ends up just kind of staying you know what i mean like yeah i know like the, the train job didn't go like perfect but like he probably could have left then, but then he's still on the mountains with Micah because he kind of knows what he did. So it's just, it's kind of interesting when you look at that, like at the at that where you're like, okay, they finally got the score that they needed, but they lost everything in the process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, we can move on now to Micah, who you said is kind yeah. of the like who you think is sort of the main antagonist in this game. Yeah, from the start, you can tell he's unhinged just as soon as he shoots up strawberry just yeah. for like two guns you're kind of like oh this guy's off i had as i kind of had a feeling he was the rat as soon as you got back from guarma and like some just some of the comments he was making i found it pretty obvious that he was the one uh that was like working with the pinkertons but yeah he just he's you the game makes you hate him really well because you just see how he's manipulating dutch and uh how just like deplorable he actually is yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, Arthur and John are bad guys, but they at least kind of have this honorable or, like, redemption-wanting edge to them, whereas Micah's just, like, gone off the deep end. Yeah, and I think just sort of the relationship that uh, Arthur and Micah have, where they have this, this this very, like, antagonistic, competitive relationship, I think was really interesting to see. Like, especially once um, once Arthur gets tuberculosis and, you know, Micah starts digging at him, being like, oh, hey, Black Lung, like, you know, trying to, to sort of push him down as much as he can. Yeah, well, because he knows that Arthur is Dutch's, like, favorite, basically. Right, and yeah. And so, as soon as he sees, like, Arthur in that weakened state and Dutch in that vulnerable state, he kind of works his way into a place where he can become the new favorite. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, Joel, were you going to say something? Yeah, no, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> I think early on, I, I knew Dutch, uh, Michael was going to be a problem. Just from that, like, first mission uh in uh strawberry i was like i hate this guy yeah and, <laughs> and whenever i would see the m pop up on my map i was just like i would do everything else before going to go help him yeah don't you find it kind of ironic though that arthur could have just left him in that cell and, and then, it would have gone yeah, like, he would have been fine yeah Not yeah happened maybe. maybe yeah <laughs> yeah so he he was uh he was just like a nuisance and uh, it was it was just funny because I was just avoiding him at all costs. But then he, when he basically takes advantage of, I think you know too, um, there were times and the game did this pretty frequently where it kind of like, it's like oh go talk to uh, Mrs. Grisham or whatever whatever her name was at the at uh, Grimshaw and like you'll go Miss Grimshaw needs to go talk to you and you go talk to her and then like Dutch comes out of nowhere he's like hey you got to go with Micah here I'm like what I hated that I I'll get into that when we discuss all the characters but they make you think like oh we're finally gonna flesh out mrs grimshaw on a mission 
and then you go talk to her, and then like five seconds in, Dutch is like, "I need your help." Like, I got a yeah. plan. <laughs> yeah, so like it, it ended up working from a story standpoint, but it was kind of disappointing. Where you're like, "Oh, I'm going to get to know like uh, Mary Beth or Mrs. Grimshaw, yeah, or Tilly, yeah. like these underdeveloped characters a bit more." Yeah, and, yeah. And, and they just kind of snipe at five seconds, and where it's like, "Oh, you want to go ride five minutes with Dutch again?" Yeah. Before before we move on to sort of those other characters, I think the last sort of major character we should talk about is Sadie Adler, who I think is probably my favorite character in this yeah, game. I think she... she's just such a great. She's like so fun and just like really. Uh, she like I always wanted to look go on a mission with her, pretty much. She yeah. could have held the post game. I actually, I I had a feeling it was going to be John just because it was kind of the obvious pick, but with how the story was and everything, I was even half expecting. I'm like, oh, they could make Sadie, the playable character like that so was my they thought do a really was... great job developing her yeah so actually when i was when i was putting the review together and stuff and i saw the review screenshots uh they showed the picture of sadie like and she had all like the coat and she had the bandolier and stuff like that so i thought oh is the epilogue going to be sadie and you play as her obviously it didn't turn out that way um but i yeah i would have loved to have been able to play as sadie but i think she's like just as a great character and was you know probably my favorite of the new ones that were introduced in this game mm-hmm. yeah no yeah especially she takes some time to get going, as like because they kind of just ignore her for a good portion. But yeah, but later in the start, game, she once she yeah goes. once once you're gone and you come back and she really well, I mean, I guess in Rhodes you first kind of see it in that mission, uh, but then like especially once you get back from Guarma, um, you kind of just see how much she's like changed and improved, and she's kind of she's the only like kind of other respectable cowboy there, so yeah. cowgirl, uh, so. It's it's just kind of a uh, neat to see them do it with like because the first Red Dead Redemption didn't really have a female character like that. So to, I mean, there was there was Bonnie. Bonnie was probably like the biggest yeah. of those those I, characters you yeah. were introduced to. But still, she wasn't like a like a female version of John. And I'm not saying right, say yeah. just a female version of Arthur, but like to kind of have it where you can be like, yeah, it's it's John, Sadie, and Arthur all kind of on equal ground. Yeah, it's like this little sect of uh dutch's gang like i found that cool yeah yep yeah i thought sadie, sadie was great i think probably one of the strongest female characters that rockstar has written and watching her um yeah i felt bad though at the end because I, I don't know if you what you guys did but i didn't go i didn't go take out the rest of the old driscoll's with her I think I did that. I'm pretty, pretty sure. I did yeah. that, yeah. Because yeah. at that point, I was just, like, exhausted. I was like, nah, man. We don't got to kill anymore. Yeah, he <laughs> just, just shoots up everything and then, like, stabs a guy to death in a barn. So Yeah, so I, I didn't yeah. go with her. And it, 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 what's funny is that it, it didn't get me, like, I thought it was, I thought not going with her was the right decision to make. And it was like, no, negative cowboy points. So I was like, oh, no. You know, but um, outside of that, I thought Sadie was, was awesome. And I, I every single time that she showed up, I was like, yes, let's go do this. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the, the epilogue. Yeah, yeah. And also, the, I think one of my favorite missions was that ridiculous one with the hot air balloon when you're, like, up in the hot oh, air balloon yeah. shooting people and she's down below. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, the sheer, like, ludicrousy of it was, was awesome with that. Uh, um, R.I.P. hot air balloon guy. I know, hot air balloon guy that gets shot in the face. Uh, anyway, uh, let's just touch on really quick uh, just a couple of the other, like, sort of uh, characters that you come across in the Vanderlyn gang. So, obviously, there's uh, Bill Williamson who uh, I don't think you get, like, a ton of time with Bill in this game other than, like, a few couple missions, but it was cool to see him sort of come back. Um, Charles, who I also really liked a lot, I think he was an interesting character because he just sort of added this whole other dimension with the ga- to the game with his relationships with the sort of Native American po- communities that were in the game. 
uh, Hosea, who we touched on before. Uh, let's talk about Lenny really briefly, because I think we, we probably want to talk about the mission where you get drunk with Lenny in the bar, which is like probably yeah, one of was... the, the most memorable yeah. missions in this game. Yeah, I wished I actually wish there were more missions with other characters like that. But yeah, it was a, it was a great mission. Just like once everybody starts turning into Lenny, and you're just walking around. It's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I've never been that drunk because I'm underage. Don't drink, kids. Uh, but <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. It was just it was just really funny. I I think that that um that mission and Lenny's interactions throughout the game. Out of everybody that like dies, I was so upset about Lenny. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, when Lenny just gets a chuck under the chest yeah. and like yeah, is that so like just like kind of blah out of nowhere? Where like it makes sense because like they have to start killing people, but yeah, you're just kind of escaping and he gets shot, and then you're like, oh, I I got really drunk with that guy. That kind of sucks. You know what I mean? So I just uh, and now that we're kind of discussing the broader picture, I just I some of the deaths weren't as impactful for me because they didn't really have missions like that like Lenny's the only death like that in the first part of the game there that I really cared about whereas like uh someone like Kieran who ends up dying like I forgot Kieran existed and then they were like oh no they killed Kieran and made it this huge moment and I was kind of like who <laughs> I mean they didn't just kill him though <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they chopped off his head but yeah it was just, it was kind of weird, because the, the game was like, oh, aren't you sad this character died? Aren't you sad Sean died? And it was just kind of like, well, Sean has been in the game since for, like, all of, like, three or four missions. Yeah. So I just, I found that a bit weird, where, like, who they, who they decided to not flesh out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think because they had to save a lot of, like, the major deaths toward the end of the game, so, like, when Arthur dies, or, or uh, you know, Micah later on, and things like that. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. yeah, I just, I think it was... The plot was good for the most part. I just thought they could have, if they had just narrowed down that crew to like the the core. I think it would have been like just kind of like Sadie, Charles, Lenny, uh, Arthur, John, Dutch, Hosea. Just kind of left it there. Like I think once they added all the other women who don't really do anything, and then like Kieran and Pearson who don't really do anything, and Uncle who doesn't really do anything. Like, and none of them get too many missions either. Like, you get some good interactions with them around camp, but I just never felt like any of those characters were fleshed out to a point that made them interesting enough, which I was hoping the game was going to do a bit more with Uncle, considering he's supposed to be the protagonist from Red Dead Revolver. Um, like, that's the, the theory. So I thought they were going to wrap that in a bit more, considering it was a prequel. But he's just kind of this side character. So I just I kind of just wish they, in some of the story missions earlier on, as you're slowly getting settled into everything, they would have like had you get to know those characters a bit better. Yeah, and I think that that's like one of the things like with this game being so like you know compared especially compared to the first Red Dead where this is like way more of like an ensemble sort of cast versus Red Dead One where it was basically just sort of John's story. Um, you know, but I didn't really mind the fact that, like, there are so many characters to interact with, and even though not all of them sort of get fleshed out all the way, I think that's kind of where the immersive aspect of this game comes into play, because you can find out more about these characters just by, like, interacting with them. And especially even the characters like, um, like, Tilly and Molly, who I think you can have a choice to, like, it, uh, have a conversation with in, have a conversation with in the camp. Like, that was just a good opportunity sort of, like, to 
gives some more like in-depth storytelling for those characters like but without taking away from the na- the main narrative of the of the game yeah i just my problem with it is when the na- main narrative relies on characters like that where they yeah. want you to care about kieran's death yeah you may have like a good conversation or side activity you could do with kieran early on in the game but like if it's kind of a double-edged sword where it's like it's cool that the game would let you do that with those characters but then if you just don't do it or it doesn't like randomly spawn for you their death is kind of meaningless to you or it doesn't have that emotional impact yeah yeah uh all right i think we'll move on from the characters now and we'll start to just sort of get into some of the highlights from the the story um so just in ter- i know we've touched on it a little bit earlier but in terms of like the story pacing and the structure uh what did you guys think because i feel like that's been one of the more divisive aspects of this game is just how the story is sort of paced uh it's good as soon as you rob leviticus's corn or leviticus cornwall leviticus's cornwall yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is my cornfield i call it leviticus's cornwall uh (laughs) but yeah as soon as you rob that train at the start it like basically picks up uh pretty well it's just i i understand why they kind of ease you into everything in the mountains I do personally think starting with the Blackwater heist would have been better, but uh, I understand why they kind of start where they do. I also found it a bit confusing, though, because, like, why didn't they go on the other side of the mountains? Like, they went from Blackwater up into the mountains and then just came back down towards Blackwater, which I found kind of weird. Yeah. Because I, I thought it was going to work the opposite way. I, but, I think... Um, yeah. But, yeah, so it takes its time. But then also, I, I I wasn't the biggest fan of that first section because I also didn't feel like it set up that much. It was just kind of slow for the sake of easing you into the world slowly without even, like, fleshing out too many people. So, I don't know. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. But once you hit, like, chapter two, it was great. Yeah, and I think, like like you said, like, chapter one of the game is basically sort of your introduction and, like, the tutorials. And, you know, it... it, it... I think that the way I know people have said that this game feels very slow and while I agree with that in some ways I just feel like the game to me the game feels a little bit more deliberate like rather than you know uh giving you a big action heavy scene to sort of you know kickstart your way into the world like I feel like this was the better way to go where it's just like they ease you into the mechanics and sort of how to play this game and understand everything um rather than setting you up with some like big heist initially um yeah, so basically then, like, chapter one, you're in the mountains, and you're with Dutch and the gang, and they're trying to sort of, you know, flee after the, the Blackwater heist goes awry. Um, and then chapter two is kind of where the story opens up and everything. Um, and that's where the, the, the open world especially begins to open up, and you go to Valentine in those parts of the game. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think they do that purposely, because then chapter two, you, you learn a little bit more about the camp and how to... <laughs> Um, you know, use like the tools that are available there. I and and I, I think a lot of people have like the right grievance where they're upset with, hey, I have to travel from X, you know, from A to B, and it's taking me this long, or whatever. Right. And I think yeah. one of the things where I think Rockstar could have just done better in these first three chapters is really go into detail as to how to unlock the fast travel. Rather yeah, than you kind of have to having to read yeah, the ledger to figure that out. Fast, you know? fast travel was pretty bad in the game, and I understand why they didn't have it because that's it. Kind of same thing like fast travel in Spider Man. Like, why would you fast travel in that game? Right. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, because it's like kind of getting to the destinations just as important in Red Dead Redemption Two. But 
they were just I thought it was kind of handled poorly because you could only do it from your camp and only to like certain towns. Right. So yeah. Because the fast well, travel from the camp, I think, is one way. So it's like it would get you to the place, but then yeah. you have to figure out a way to go. The, I only fast traveled once. I think I used the train mm-hmm. one time to get from one place to Saint Denis, and that was really about it. Yeah, I used the carriage a couple times, but yeah. But then especially because you couldn't use those things once you had bounties, and then the game would, like, automatically give you bounties in some story missions. Right, So I just found that kind of weird where, like, I understand them not wanting you to use it, but the game actively made the the fast travel system bad so you wouldn't use it, which I found kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. You know know what's interesting is that um, I used it more heavily in Chapters 4, five and six um because i I didn't unlock it until like the end of chapter three um but i felt like it was good in five and six only because those had so many missions in them i think they each had like 12 to 14 missions in them so it was it was for me i found it easier to literally just bounce from one area of the map to get to where i need to do you get where i need to be get what you know get what i need to get done but the um yeah to your point i mean it, it really didn't work well i think it was just like well enough because you still have to travel once you got to someplace. But it's interesting you brought up the bounty thing, and we I don't think we talked about it earlier. Everyone was complaining about, like, bumping into people and, like, triggering bounties and issues. I didn't have that issue. Now, I don't know if I was if it was because I had a pretty, like, loyal character. Like, my loyalty level was really high. Um, no, I, 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 I didn't have that either. I think that's just, like I said, the controls, I think, if you're just not as, like, familiar with them as first. Uh, at, at first, like, that tends to happen, but I was talking more about kind of, like, story contextual stuff, where, like, you'd get oh, bounties. Okay. Yeah, because everyone was talking about, like, you know, oh, I bumped into these people, and I can't go to this town now, and I accidentally did this, and this, and this, and I'm like, I don't... I, I, I just didn't see that in my time with the game, and I played a lot of it. Yeah, like, I, don't, and... I don't think I had too many issues with that. The only times I think I had issues sometimes were, like, with my horse would accidentally, like, plow into someone, and then, like, they would go run off and try and tell the police, and I had to be like, no, stop, no, I didn't mean to, like, that type of thing. But, yeah, I also played Arthur pretty loyally, so I didn't really have too many issues. I feel like the game punished, from what I've heard from people that played it a bit more, like, you know, making Arthur more of a, like, outlaw type of character, that that's when the game really, like, punishes you for for playing you know sort of violently and more antagonistically yeah yeah because i only had to pay bounties in areas like pretty seldomly and they weren't even that crazy when i heard people had like hundred dollar bounties it's like all right you're just committing mass murder what are you you doing (laughs) yeah Yeah, i I pretty much always paid off my bounties as soon as i had them and at those points i had like a ton of money so it wasn't really a huge issue for me to just like go to the post office pay my bounties and then i was all set yeah early on i just shot up valentine for fun and uh had like a 300 something dollar bounty there but then like after that i kind of got that fulfilled for the game so like after that i never had a bounty that was too high yeah yeah um so just to continue on the story stuff so basically chapter two and three uh, a lot of that is uh you know your your camp sort of moving around and the gang sort of uh working their way toward the the south uh, which brings us more to like chapter four when you head to Saint Denis, which I feel like is is easily one of the best parts of the game is just like exploring that space and because it just because it feels so completely different from everything else at that point in the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I loved the sound of the horse on the stone. Like yeah, that sound yeah, effect. yeah. As soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, I like this. Also, though, I, this is uh, tangential, but I got my horse caught between poles in that city so often. <laughs> like I would, I don't know how I did it, but like I get it lodged in like these weird spaces in the city. Yeah, where yeah. It wasn't supposed to be. 
which I found funny. But yeah, Saint Denis was a really uh cool city. It was actually supposed to be called New Bordeaux. Yeah, uh, there was the whole thing because that like yeah they were supposed to call it New Bordeaux, but that's what they use for Mafia Three, so they had to like so, go and change everything and and do all that. So I found that kind of funny too because it was kind of swampy, like yeah. Uh, that too so it was actually surprisingly similar similar but yeah it was it was much bigger than like in the first game blackwater is like the the big city you go yeah. to and so then in this one for them to go like oh no it's even bigger yeah like, this, this is, is like completely city. different and especially yeah. because i love the way that they introduced the the city which is like you you and dutch and a, i think a couple of people are riding into saint denis and he's saying like oh this is like the future and you know this is civil what civilization looks like and it's just these like thick smokestacks and it's just yeah. like it's just it made it's a really industry. like yeah it's industry it's just like it was just made a really like sort of poignant moment where it was like you know, especially like, just like given the like the current state of the world and stuff like that, and seeing all this, and you're like, oh, this is like what we're becoming. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Right, and 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 I think you know to go back to Cornwall again, it's like a, our fourth mention of the guy, but you know, like he's a big part of that, right? Because he's like the guy that's bringing industry. You know, so so it's like I, I think going into Saint Denis, I made me think of Cornwall even more. I was like, oh, maybe this is where this guy headquarters out of, like, and, I, and that's why. That I think that that you know that killing of him got it even crazier. I don't know um, because it, it's the point of like here's the industry that's going to kill the old west, right? Like here you're looking at it now. You've been looking at this like lush landscape and these beautiful mountains. Here's what you have to look to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely like why, especially like one of my favorite parts too was uh, there's that mission when you go with John into like the the cemetery area of Saint Denis, and like it's all like very murky. The light, the lighting especially, just like stood out in that way because like it's just so different from everything else in the rest of the game where it's like you know you're shooting all these guys in this like murky cemetery with the the lighting you know giving this really creepy eerie vibe, and it's just like that really stood out to me as one of the things that I really, you know, enjoyed about this section of the game. Um, I think it was just funny for me with Sondini, like, the, like, they pull off, what, like, four or five different robberies or things like that, and every time yeah. they just wind up back in Sondini, and they're just like, oh, we're back here, like, and, you know, whereas, like, I feel like, how, they pull off, like, you know, a bank heist, they pull off all these major robberies, and, like, they just keep going back there and robbing it again, like... Yeah, it was. And it, it does have, like, it's kind of, like, silly moments where it's like, alright, Dutch, you're, you're getting a little too wild. <laughs> yeah, especially with the event. Like they did that. I think the riverboat uh thing was there too, right? When you're in the casino and you're you're robbing that, yes. like which is also really, really cool. Like that was just an outstanding sequence too. Um yeah, any other thoughts that you guys have about Saint Denis and sort of what you what you like from that part of the well, game? Well not Saint Denis, but um just to go back one, heading south, I loved that whole like plantation rivalry. Oh yes, yes. And um I, I felt like I mean I, I I know that that's what like you know looking if you look them up online like plantation homes look like that but the Braithwaite Manor is sick and that mission yeah. oh, taking yeah. her out mm -hmm. uh, when 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 Jack's missing like this yeah. right before you go to Saint Denis right I yeah, was yeah. like this is just great like, yeah especially <laughs> yeah. like I got when 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 there's that shot when uh, it's the whole gang lined up and they're walking down the path toward the yeah. mansion like yeah. I just got chills from seeing that that was yeah. just such a cool moment like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, same. I think we all did, yeah. It's just, like, it's very kind of generic cowboy moment kind of thing. Yeah, it's like, let's go take so care of cool. business right now. Because, like, it's, it's one of the first times you see that whole ensemble going to do something together. So you just see, like, all of these cowboys walking down to get back to one thing they have hope for. Right, so, yeah. It's just, it was a really cool moment. And yeah. I, 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 have, I have to admit that I love, like, 
the way they play off like the, <laughs> the, like those people's stupidity down there and like <laughs> they would dress up as cops you know like with the town sheriff oh, yeah. like I, I i thought it was just really hilarious that like i don't know the, the way that uh rockstar framed those characters um and it, and they did it in, in like a way that like you know those characters didn't want to give up on their old ways, right? Um, I never found like the KKK people down there, which I'm still looking for them. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they need to catch these hands. But outside <laughs> of that, um, it, it was just really funny how like the people of Rhodes and that whole area just are very different. And like the West was dying, but like these people were like stuck in their ways. Yeah. And and I like the way that that Rockstar really did that. So, but we can go on, go on to. A, yeah, I, I think that was a chapter. major theme though what you just said i think that's to the theme of the whole series kind of is people being stuck in their ways where you have like dutch's gang who's stuck being cowboys even though you're dying we have those families who have even just not even gotten past the civil war and then you have like the there's like a side mission you do with one guy who was a slave owner like the game the game makes it clear that that's like one of its main themes in a lot of the quests that like the 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 world's changing, but these people aren't willing to change with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now that we've discussed uh, those chapters and stuff, let's move on to chapter five, which is the the Guarma section of the game, uh, which I've tagged as uh, when Red Dead Redemption Two becomes Uncharted. Uh, <laughs> pretty much what I feel like that game. It it just it, that section was really like I think another one that stood out just because it takes you away from the action in such a completely different uh, type of environment where like you know you spent the whole game in these like you know western plains and and cities and towns and then you wind up in this like tropical paradise. So what did you guys think of the the Guarma section? I wasn't the biggest fan because it just kind of felt like padding for the most part, but it was it was a cool moment. I was. I was just expecting it to be like a mission or so, but then they kind of drew it out for a little bit longer than I liked. It was ballsy of them to go like, oh yeah, by the way, we have this island you haven't heard about too. Like it was a cool kind of subverting expectations moment, but I just, I found it kind of just uh, to be a bit like, kind of like padding to the plot. I got to agree a little bit. I do agree with you, Tomas, that it, that it did feel like padding. Like it, it absolutely did. Um, the, I, I don't know. I, it, it did add like it was more like a surprise. Like whoa, I didn't think we were gonna get shipwrecked on an island like randomly. Like, um, so I, I thought it was a cool surprise. But yeah, I think it, it it did add some 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 padding that I I don't think that I think if you pull out. Guarma, I don't, I don't miss anything. Yeah, I can agree in some ways. Like, I, I, I think like Guarma was still a, like a cool, like it was an interesting set piece. But I think like you know, I think if they they took you away from it too soon, then that would have felt maybe like you know, oh, why did we go all the way out here anyway? So yeah, you know, right. but I think like uh, you know, but yeah, I can see where it's like, oh, maybe we spent too much time here. Yeah, and, like... I they I think they could have had him wash up like more towards Blackwater or something, and I think it would have had like the, the same kind of effect. Yeah, like oh, I think the vibe I think the vibe they were going for was that this is the, this was this game's Mexico where it was meant to yeah. feel just like a completely different sort of like world and environment for the char- for these characters right. to get yeah. lost. Right. In. And it but, did. Yeah, but you don't stay there. It's odd cuz it's like it's 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 too long to feel like short and then it's too short to feel like it was like substantial. Yeah. So I, I think though the point of it happening outside of all the other botched you know scores and stuff like that was to say like dude you're not getting out of this gang 
Yeah, because basically this was supposed to be the island paradise that Dutch was trying to, like, bring them to, and yet this still wasn't, like, they get there and they're immediately, like, you know, being riled up by, like, the Cuban military and stuff like that, like, all the people there, so they, they were just getting themselves in an even bigger jam. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was just kind of beating the gang down to their lowest, Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so now I think we'll let's move on towards uh, chapter six and the ending of the game and what you guys sort of thought as the we get back from Guarma, we wind up back in um, you know back in the areas we've been in the game and we sort of lead to the toward the end. Uh, so what did you guys think of sort of how did this game how this game uh, wraps up at least the main story before we get to the epilogue? I I really like the uh, endings. Chapter six I think was really great because it's kind of everything coming to a head. You finally that that little time skip allows characters like Sadie to come into their own, um, and stuff's like starting to hit the fan. So it's kind of you you are finally kind of seeing everything the game spent uh, so much time building up like falling down. So I thought I really liked that last chapter, and then you see you start to see the roots of uh, the first game. Like I know the epilogue does that further. But, like, you really start to see how it's kind of leading into the first Red Dead Redemption in that chapter, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I think the the big um, set pieces or the big fights, um, it was... So some of the stuff, like, looking back at it, like, some of those missions are, like, classic Rockstar. So, like, going up against, like, the army out of nowhere, you're like, what? How did, yeah. how did we... You know, and, and, you know, that happens, I think, in, like, every GTA title, like, towards the end. is like, you get, like, the really ridiculous over-the-top missions. Like, hey, we're going to go to a military base. You're literally doing this one, right? Um, that's, like, classic Rockstar, I think. But in terms of all the stuff that, that happens and the characters literally falling apart, um, that this is this is the, the peak game, right? And, and I think the way that it's handled is great. I think what was interesting too is um, just based on the original Red Dead, I thought that Marston was left for dead in a different way. Mm, yeah. So the fact that he fell off that train, um, and that's when they quote unquote left him for dead. But then on top of that, Micah comes back and he's like, "Oh yeah, we lost John back there." It was like, "What?" <laughs> what like you know, it, it was just very interesting how how everything starts playing out. Because again, you, you keep thinking back to the original. I mean, if you played the original, you keep thinking back to that. You think like, wh- you know, when does this turn happen? Um, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, and then when you realize that the turn is actually, you know, Marston with with John and saying like you got to, you just got to go, you got to get your family, get the hell out of here. Um, that was just that was that was great, and I think that the 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 ending on the mountain, um, you know, uh, and and watching John kind of like just fall at at that part part was was perfect, um, you know, because he he did redeem himself. He didn't. A, you know, he didn't you mean Arthur. The Ar- Arthur, you mean Arthur? Arthur, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he does redeem himself as a person, even though he doesn't get the payoff he was looking for. Um, but yeah, uh, I yeah. don't. Did you guys get that scene with the nun at the train station? I don't think so. No, not really? that I remember. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. So that was a story cutscene that was influenced by a side quest I had done. I did this oh, side interesting. where I met this Mexican nun. And she showed up at a train station, and uh, I think after you send that army general, you kind of break out away. Mm-hmm. As soon as he got on the train, this woman from a side quest came up to Arthur, and it was honestly one of my favorite scenes in the whole plot, where she's just like talking to him, and Arthur's like, "Yeah, I think I'm going to die," and then she's like, "Well, you need to help somebody, like 
find something you can do. And oh, I kinda, interesting. I, I thought it reflected the themes and of like redemption better than any other scene in the game. And to know that was based, that's just because I did a side quest. Like that's crazy. Like what? What's the trigger in the plot for it to kind of know that? Like the other thing with uh, when you collapse in Saint Denis with uh, tuberculosis, like. It's just that there's some really cool story stuff like that where they seamlessly like throwing this like side stuff into it and you're just kind of surprised at how well it like meshed together. Yeah, and I think just for me, like that whole scene with the at the mountaintop when, you know, Arthur sort of redeems himself and he has the fight with Micah and everything like that. I just I, I loved that whole like how that scene played out. Um I'd be curious what what choices did you guys make at the end where you helped John or or you went after the money? Uh, you helped John there. I don't know why you'd go after the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I did the same thing too. So, yeah, yeah, I think apparently it just basically like Arthur dies no matter what. But I think it basically just changes how he dies. Is like either he gets left in the mountain and dies with tuberculosis, or I think the other option, I think Micah kills him. I think is basically how that plays out. From what yeah. I remember. yeah, I think it's if you choose that, then Micah like stabs him and kills him. Or no, I think that's honor based. Like, if you... oh, okay. Yeah. So I yeah I, I don't know because I didn't go for the money. But yeah, he probably just died somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you get the key. Uh, I guess I have to go back in the epilogue now. Well, not finish the epilogue, but I'm saying like in the, in the end game. Um, I gotta go back with that key. Go back to that mountain. Huh? Oh, and get the money. Yeah. I guess I can still go get that. Yeah, let me go. I'm gonna go do that. Yeah, you should go. It's a, yeah, it's a lot. Um, so all right. So now I think we've touched on that. Let's uh, dive into the epilogue, or at least try to without spoiling Tomas too much. So, <laughs> uh, so basically, after the ending of the game, you jump into the role of John Marston, uh, taking over for the epilogue of the game. And uh, it's interesting how the epilogue, like, because as, as we said before, it basically sort of bridges the gap between Red Dead Redemption Two and Red Dead Redemption One. And, like, in a lot of ways, it felt very similar to the epilogue of the original game, where uh, in the original game, you played as Jack, and you went after the, um, you know, you went after the guys, you know, that, that killed uh, killed John. But, like, there were the whole sections of the game where you were just trying to ranch and sort of live a normal life, and this was that, but, like, really expanded. And I thought that, that was cool, just, like, after having gone through the 50 or 60 hours or so of just, like, bloodshed and heists and doing all this stuff, it was nice to just sort of slow down the game a little bit, and I think that helped that transition from the ending of the game to the epilogue. I think building that house was my favorite sequence. I was like, I'm building a family for my house. And my that was my great, yeah. The scene where you're building the house Isn't is, like is a awesome. Music video almost? I've seen it described as. Basically, yeah, it's more or less, because all you do is really just, like, you watch as they build the house, and there are, like, button prompts to do all the things, but, like, it really does kind of feel more like a music video. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, like I, like I said before, there's the scene with like Abigail and uh, John when they go into town and he he's trying to propose to her, basically. Um, and yeah, there a lot of those moments like that, I think, were really landed for me in the epilogue. Almost more than like, because there are some cool set piece moments in the epilogue, too, like as far as action stuff. Uh, but really, I think just those smaller, smaller, like slice of life type of things that they were doing in the epilogue were really like what made that section stand out to me. Uh, Joel, so, since you finished it, you, uh, you can go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, too. I, I mean, did you think that I, I, when I was playing it, I thought, um, I don't know, somewhere along the lines, I was like, oh, well, I know what's going to happen. I was like, I'm going to get arrested, and this is where the, the whole working for the government thing kind of starts. Um, but that never came. So I thought, like, after the date happened, like, something really wild was going to go on, or we were going to get Micah, and then I was going to get arrested. And then that, that literally sets off the, the moments at the beginning of Red Dead. Um, but that never happens. Right, yeah. So, um, 
But no, I, I thought the epilogue was great, honestly. And there's a scene in the epilogue. I don't know if you caught this. Um, when you're in the barn and you're fighting that guy away from the farm and you, you, you take the double barrel shotgun out, that's actually the uh, that's the box cover to Red Dead 1. Oh, no, I saw that. That was great. Yeah, where they made that illusion. Oh, yeah. that. oh that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, shit, this when is When he's great. holding the, yeah, he's holding the, the shotgun. <laughs> the yeah. shotgun. You have the farming gloves on. I was like, it's the cover. Yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, to put that on top of the moment with the hat, I was like, this is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think what else. I think the other thing too that's cool about the epilogue is the fact that um, you know obviously there's a time jump, but I think it's it's what it's like seven years I think after the end of yeah. Red Dead Two, something yeah, like that. That's like a teenager, like a preteen. Yeah, yeah, and you you catch back up with like Sadie and Charles, and like I think that was really interesting to see like where they've been in that time since the end of the the main game. Uh, so you see Charles is like a, a prize. He's a, you know, he's doing brawls in Saint-Denis. And then you see Sadie sort of making a name for himself as like a bounty hunter out in the wild. So I think it was cool to sort of see those characters like, you know, and, and catching up with them. And then, you know, they're talking about, oh, I haven't seen Micah in years. And like, I've heard whispers that Dutch is around. Like that, that, that sort of more immersive storytelling that it offers. And the, you know, catching up with these characters after so long. Um, yeah, Tomas, do you have anything? I know you didn't finish the epilogue, but if you have anything you kind of want to say from what you've played of it so far. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. I think basically everything you guys have said has been uh, true about it. It's cool that there's basically another game stapled onto it um, afterwards. But, you know, it's just impressive. Adds to the scope, bridges the gap between the two games nicely. I, they I mean... could have just been a cutscene bridging them, but they decided to make it like a multiple hour section. Yeah, and and I think that's it, it, it's it's when you get to the payoff of the epilogue, you're just like, ah, oh, man, this was good. <laughs> like, it's really, really, really good, and then, uh, I can't wait till Tomas gets to that piece. Yeah, um, yeah. And in terms of, I, I guess, with that said, we can go into what what we hope to see from them going from here, right? Or like, uh, is that? Yeah, yeah. Like, like we get to, we can talk about that now. We've covered everything else. So, like, what do you hope with with what Rockstar has done with Red Dead Redemption Two? Like, where do you think they go from here? Whether that's as a studio or if they obviously they'll probably continue this franchise and do a new game. So, what do you guys think will will go from will come from Red Dead Redemption Two? I, I if they were going to do a third game in the series, I think they could end here. But if they wanted to do another western, I'd go way earlier and make Dutch. The main character you play as Dutch, and you kind of see his origins, because that's one thing we still don't know a lot about. So it'd be interesting to kind of see him meeting Hosea. So it'd be kind of weird because the series would be basically working backwards. But I think that would be interesting for a future entry. Arthur. Yeah, yeah, kind of see how he came across Arthur and John. So you see them as kind of almost like I mean, kind of like Jack's age in the epilogue, like they're kind of there. So I think if if they were going to do another western like red dead redemption sequel they'd kind of they can really only go back with like what they've covered right so yeah. i think that'd be the most interesting either go with like a completely new set of characters or like uh go farther back and make it like dutch the main character um yeah other than that though like i'd honestly i know uh i forgot who brought it up on our staff but someone said that they should do like a 1920s like game 
with yeah, uh, like, yeah. during Prohibition. Oh, yeah, and all as, that as, as we, of, I know a couple yeah. people said it. So basically, we want Boardwalk Empire, the game, pretty yeah, much. Just like, yeah. <laughs> we want Rockstar to make it. No one else. Yeah, kind of in between L.A. Noir and Red Dead Redemption 2 somewhere. <laughs> so I honestly, like, after finishing this and seeing, like, the world that they built, um, by the way, uh, Mexico is in the game, Ryan. People found it. Well, yeah. So I was talking with Tomas about that. So there are, like, it is technically in the game. Like, you yeah. can't access it normally, but people have, right, like, right. glitched their way to get into there. Yeah. So I'm hoping, I mean, this is a this is a, a long shot in the dark, but they have all the audio. They have the story laid out. They have everything from the original Red Dead. Why can't they just make it, like, a $40 add-on? And just throw that story right into this with this engine. You know and, how you know how expensive that'd be. I, I know. I know. Well, <laughs> I, I'm just like, it, yeah, I, but but this is also Rockstar, who basically has infinite money, pretty much. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, and yeah. they, you know, and and it's funny because if you look up on YouTube, like you can look up a video that has like every single Rockstar, every single Red Dead cutscene. The video is only like 49 minutes long. So it's like they'd have to technically shoot 49 minutes worth of of cutscene. Um, again. You know, and uh, and just use the same voiceover from the original, and it would work. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I just with, with seeing this world, I was like, man, it'd be great if they if they released if they re-released the original in this engine, which they won't. Um, but yeah, I guess I if, in terms of what I would want to see, I'll, I'll, I'm in agreement with the rest of the staff to do like a Boardwalk Empire kind of prohibitionary <laughs> thing. That would yeah. be ideal. Uh, Rockstar, like next project, and uh, and again, like LA Noir, base it in a real city because I know if they do it in a real city, they'll 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 do it right, just like LA Noir. Yeah, I think yeah. Overall, like I think like I'm really you know based on how they you know this game really kind of takes everything that worked about Red Dead and, and really like and this is something I've been trying to write into an editorial, but really kind of take everything Rockstar has done in their previous games and just kind of like amp it up to 11 because there's a lot of aspects of their previous games in here like, you know, the more sim elements that I think that they tried to do in um, GTA San Andreas that are here that they've sort of dialed up and, and refined and the combat mechanics and everything like that um, you know, so I think it'll be interesting to see how they they try to expand on the ways that they've tried to make this world feel so much more, you know, alive and detailed and dynamic and immersive. So, you know, I think story-wise, yeah, I think it would make sense that if they did do a third game, that they would probably have to move further back in the timeline, um, which would be interesting. But I guess also bring it more in line with the fact that this is like the peak of the the Wild West versus these two games, which kind of covered the end of the Wild West. So that might be interesting to sort of see a life that's a little more untamed. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it, you know, Red Dead two is clearly like a huge achievement for rockstar and i'd be interested to see where they go from here uh with this game too bad we won't see it for another five six years so oh we won't yeah we won't see it for another decade but you know <laughs> it'll be interesting on, on ps5 and xbox two you know when those come out on, on the tail end of those yeah yeah basically um all right cool uh let's uh anyone else have anything before we wrap up here that they want to say no i'm good i want to get back to yeah. hunting Okay. I'm All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. So that's pretty much it for our spoiler cast. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, just to plug a couple quick things uh, as we wrap up here. Uh, obviously, there's our review of the game, which I which I wrote, and we gave the game a ten, uh, which is you know not many games get that score on our site, which is you know it, obviously very deserving of that score. I feel. Aside from the things that we talked about today that, you know, sort of critiquing it in more detail. Um, a couple other uh, editorials and things you could find. Uh, I wrote a tips and tricks guide. Uh, just some of the things if you're starting, if you're just starting out in the game. Uh, 
<laughs> it uh tomas wrote except for halo master chief collection uh which that's a dig at joel for <laughs> for doing that uh so we uh we i wrote a tips and tricks guide which is some tips for starting out in the game uh logan wrote a uh, logan and michael both wrote some great editorials just talking about their feeling about the game's pace and length uh joel also did his piece about uh sort of the story and the characters and how he feels like the relationships of those characters makes for one of the best parts of the game uh, and then Ben also wrote a really cool tip about uh, taking in-game photos if you'd like to do that. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening to our Red Dead spoiler cast. If you haven't finished the game yet and listened to this, uh, I don't know why, but I hope you go enjoy the rest of it now that it's been spoiled for you. And uh, as always, you can follow us on the site at DualShockers.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as DualShockers. You can follow us on YouTube at DSTV Originals uh, and wherever else you can find us that I can't remember off the top of my head. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us, and go uh, enjoy your time out in the Wild West. Bye. Bye now.